welcome to the Optimal Mindset. I'm your host, Johnny Taylor. I started this show because I am fascinated by human capabilities and performance. Why is it that certain people reach their potential and how does their mindset help them to succeed? I want to understand what are the tools, tactics and strategies high achievers use to optimize their mind and achieve greatness. In these episodes, we'll be speaking to some of my personal idols from sports and performance to discover the definition of an optimal mindset and how we can train our own minds to achieve our biggest dreams. Please follow the show on Instagram and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so we can share out the inspiring messages within each episode with a wider audience. Remember, train your mind, optimize your life. All right, welcome to the show. My guest today is Robbie Reyes. Thanks for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, no, I'm excited to be here and looking forward to the conversation. So Robbie is a former professional basketball player who played in the Philippines. He played for eight years and won two PBA championships. Over his career, his mindset grew and developed. And I can't wait to hear about his epic journey, about how he grew both on and off the basketball court. So could you kind of give us a bit of background into your career and how you ended up playing professionally in the Philippines? Yeah, um, so my uncle actually played professionally in the Philippines in the PBA for for a good bit. He still currently commentates in some of the games. His name is Eric Reyes. Um, so he was a big inspiration to me early on <clears throat> and like a big part of like the, what drove me to kind of want, want to achieve playing in the PBA. Um, and and it's interesting because like I really was 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 not like a, a, a highly touted talent here in America. I was at the very fortunate benefit of playing high school for a Hall of Fame coach and with really high caliber teammates, but I really didn't play a lot, but I was just committed on this, you know, I was on this mission to play in the Philippines. So uh, obviously a lot of fortunate things happened along the way out of my control, but I felt like I was so focused on getting there that I was just aware of these opportunities when they arose. And so I played high school in the States. Then I played college in the States and, um, actually went out and played in the PBL. They used to have the PBL where you would play. If you were a film, you had to play in it for a year before you could play in the PBA. So I played in that for a year. And then I actually had an issue with some of my documentation required to go into the PBA draft. So I had about this two-year window where my dream was over effectively. And um, I came home, I was working and coaching and and just really trying to stay in shape. And stay, I stayed in touch with my agent who was trying to help me get everything uh finalized uh, but it took about two years so i had two years of just in limbo uh where but i stayed the course i still believed it could happen and then one day my agent calls me it's like hey if, if, if you still want this you can you can do it now and um you know I, I had a job we had just got a house and i but i told my wife i was like i have to go do this i have to know what's what, what would happen if i went and tried it so we kind of said some 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 baselines hey be drafted between here and here cool well it, it's worth it go for it but like if you slip and, and you you can't make this much money then like just come home and, and take care of it so again i got again i got really lucky with somehow the things shaked out in the draft it was a very talented draft and um i think because of some of the people who got drafted early it, it made sense to draft a guy like me at the position that i got drafted which was fourth um and then it was it was a really uh all over the place career you know i got drafted fourth but then i had had limited success my rookie year tore my acl um and during my rehab i get traded to to one of the, the the worst teams in the league at the time 
come back and go through a year with that team, which was which was really really tough mentally, was considered retiring at that point um, early in my career, just because I was I, I was really frustrated with a lot of things. Got had the fortunate benefit to get traded to a better team for my third year, um, and then it actually had some some, some other issues. So I, I know you didn't ask like the entire story arc of my career, but it was a really like I had a lot of ups and downs along the way to even get there. And then like, I did not have a storybook gets drafted high, has a ton of success as a rookie and just becomes this grizzled vet with, with a lot of individual success. There was a lot of ups and downs, highs and lows, but um, I'm still proud. I'm proud of the eight years, despite not maybe not having some of the individual success I had hoped to have uh, when I, when I embarked on that journey. Mm, that's amazing yeah and i think i kind of definitely hear your story that it's very much like it was kind of your ups and your downs and the highs and the lows and we're going to talk about that later but that's something that i'm really interested in but one thing that i was going to ask you is when you entered the league like when you were drafted in the pba did you consider like your mindset and how that affected performance yeah i love that question because i was really bad it was really bad um i think the way the best way to describe it is um I was so, you know, I had that hyper focus of, of making it to the PBA. And I think in some ways that was like a, a, a real benefit, a real driver for helping me get there. But, but also I do think that at times I, 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 um, my, my mindset was very limiting. It was like, I was always willing to go above and beyond to do the work, to be good enough. But I always let fear kind of prevent me from being really good to great. Right. It was like I was the kind of player that would go above and beyond to whatever the coaches said. But if I got into a moment when it was like, this is kind of a good shot. Like if I make this shot, every you know, I'll be the hero. But if I miss this shot, I'll be be the goat, the the, the scapegoat. Um, and and but but if I pass it to that guy and make or miss, I did the right thing. So I won't you know I won't be be uh, penalized for whatever happens. And I think, you know, the, the the players who took it to that next level were willing to take that shot that was kind of good um, and risk the, the ramifications of missing it uh, because they believed they'd make it. So I was always like, well, let me make the right play here instead of maybe the play that could have helped me get to that next level. So that my mindset was like a gift and a curse in a way. Like I was always propelled to do whatever it took to be good enough, but like always, always worried about taking a risk that can that might mean I lose it. And that was early on. Right. So, but then I think what I did, what I found later through my education in, in the space, understanding mindset and really mindfulness was kind of the key for me. Um, I've, I've gone through different avenues of what that means, but essentially just when I learned about just being more in the moment, more present and letting go of outcomes, I was able to have more success in my career and honestly a lot more fun. Um, prior to like understanding that concept, my highs were never really, were never really as high as I thought they would be. And the lows were probably lower. So, um, but I just, as I matured as a, as a human and, and as an athlete too, I, and I, I started to, to use some of my free time to, to educate myself on different things that would just make me better and stumbled into the mindfulness rabbit hole. Um, and I just wish I would have found it earlier and earlier in my career for sure. Yeah, that's really powerful. And I think sometimes as athletes and just people in general are very extrinsically driven. Like we're very much like, you know, I have to make this shot or I have to win this shiny trophy. But often those things are things we can't control, right? Those are things that actually 
we have we can influence them but we can't control them and sometimes when you dig intrinsically and focus like you said on being present and focusing on trusting the process that's when success happens which is which is really powerful and um, if you could go back in time and give yourself your younger self one piece of advice what would it be it would be to control what i can control um i think i spent and i this is still a daily like a struggle for me and and i try to teach to my kids so i can see doing some of the same things but um I, I spent a lot of time worrying about stuff that was completely out of my hands. You know, like even that shot, it, like if I'm in that moment, you know, like, Hey, this is a pressure situation. Could we go up to, if I hit this, um, instead of just going, Oh, I've done the work up to this point. I've worked on my shot. This is my spot. Like I'm going to shoot it and just live with what happens. It was like, Oh man, even if, or if I shot it, it was like, Oh, don't miss, you know, I'm thinking, you know, which is just the wrong, the wrong mindset to be in to just think, don't make this mistake. Um, and I would often find myself there. Like, so, I, but, but if I would just focus on what I can control, Hey, you've done all the work to this point, you're comfortable here, shoot it and just live with what happens. Um, I just think I would have had a much more individually successful career. Yeah, that's awesome. And I love the fact that you're kind of sharing that with your kids as well and, and giving them that mindset insight as well for when they kind of grow up and, and kind of play sport as well, which is, which is incredible. Um, we, you talked about it earlier, but how, how do you deal with, obviously you've had many highs and you've had many lows. How do you kind of deal with this up and down journey that you've been on? You know, I was recently in the Philippines and, and I think we'll get some time to talk about that experience later, but I was recently back and, and I had this, this like extreme moment of gratitude more than, more than once when I was just in the city, just walking around by myself. And, um, you know, like, I was so thankful for those experiences that I had, the good and the bad, um, because they've really carried over to my post playing life. I mean, I, I, I was very fortunate to have what I consider to be a, a good long career. Um, you know, I may, was able to make a living playing playing a sport out, that I would have played for free for much of my life, and and I, that, that I'm just really like fortunate that that happened. Um, I didn't do a great job of enjoying the journey. Um, and, 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 but, I, but I'm super grateful now because not only was it just an amazing experience that I really spent a lot of my childhood and, and early adulthood just dreaming about on a daily basis, but, um, I, I found later because I left the basketball world and transitioned into like professional life, almost thinking that it, it was a weakness that I really hadn't done anything meaningful in the professional setting other than play basketball. Um, and I kind of viewed that as a weakness and, and I learned, but I learned quickly that, that what I, the things that I, the skills that I picked up, the soft skills that I picked up through that experience of mindfulness training, things like that, uh, really translated in a, in a, in a very meaningful way to the professional world. Right. So, uh, I have, I have very little need or want to shoot a basketball ever or be in those pressure moments in, in, in a basketball game. Uh, but the fact that I spend so much time there, it, it makes uh, things that other people may find uh, stressful or, or, or over, overly uh, pressure sensitive, like just pressurized in those moments. Uh, they, they feel like normal. And, and I think I, I've learned too. like, I want to control what I, I can control. And at the end of the day, like I'm going to live with what happens and this, I'm just doing my job. Like this really isn't life or death. And, um, just all of the, all everything that I've learned through the highs and the lows has has carried over uh, in some positive fashion. So I, I I recently had the the benefit of being back and around it and really really had the moment to think about that. But um, 
it, I'm just so grateful for the for the experience. Wow, that's such a, a kind of reflective and and deep and great, grateful attitude. So awesome, and thank you for sharing. Um, so thinking about mindfulness and thinking about, I know you you kind of dived into it, but what did that look like when you were when you were kind of learning about it and starting to bring it into your game? Like, was it practical? Was it reading books? Like, what did that look like? Yeah, so um, trying to remember the first like book where it was like, oh yeah, this is the thing. Um, and I think uh, our, our mutual friend Matt may have mentioned the power of now is definitely an early one that I looked at and really just like focusing on the moment, being in the moment. Um, but and then I uh, I also found uh, the untethered soul was another one um, that that really spoke to me. Um, then and and that was kind of the earlier stages of my journey with with just basic meditation right uh and i started with some guided meditations like uh like the headspace app and i i think the meditation thing my meditation practice took took a, a major leap when i stumbled upon sam harris um and in his work i think uh waking up the book really was like oh my god like it just really spoke to me and then his kind of he has a beginner path uh to guided meditations that he does that i really 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 resonated um i will say like i i evolved and i really want to get back to a regular meditation practice it was really really valuable for me i stumbled into breath work that has kind of taken the place and i i don't for one second think i would not benefit from doing both but it's just kind of like been my go-to uh here here recently but as an athlete um what I really noticed when I started to have that, hey, is I just had a, I had a better experience, you know, like I, I was able to just relax in, in moments of tension a lot better. Um, and, you know, this happened later in my career. So there were times where I might start one game and then I might literally not play the next game because of just different factors. But um, I really found that having a, a mindfulness approach allowed me to deal with those situations better. Because I just was able to just ex- like, hey, I don't know if I'm going to play tonight, but I am going to play my ass off when I do get in. And I'm not going to expect to play any more or less because of that. I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. And if I play more, I play more. If I don't, I don't. And that was a just major, it was a major shift for me in my mindset. And it really allowed me to not only have more fun and really enjoy what I was doing, but it allowed me to like deal with like challenging situations better and i like to think it may be a better husband and father because prior to that like hey i don't play or i play bad i'm gonna be a miserable person and like crappy to be around for you know 24 to 40 hours so whenever we have our next game where i have a chance to make it up and and i really do like to think that the some of the most the, the most fun years i had out there as an athlete um were were towards the end and and i i also do believe that the most fun I had the the best I was as a husband and father was at around the same time. And, and I'm, I'm convinced that it was you know, in relation to that, just like that, that approach of, Hey, I, I can't control that. I didn't play more than I did last night. So, but I, so I can leave that and it doesn't have to come home with me and make me like an angry person, a bad person to be around. It's almost like you're kind of not living in what did happen and you're also not worrying about the future. Like you're kind of like right in that present moment kind of link between the two, which is which is really, really true. Um, 
were there other people doing this kind of thing and like mindfulness meditation practice on in the PBA or were you kind of one of the only ones? You know, um, actually, yeah. So one of my teammates, Jared Dillinger, he did give me a book early in my career about mindset. Um, and I, and I did read it, but, but like it did, didn't stick, you know, the, the approach, the mental toughness, like approach, um, coach Chot and, and was actually, and this is my, my coach, my rookie year, you know, put us through some of these, like close your eyes and, and visualization practices, things like that. I'm pretty sure Tim Cohn, who is a, uh, you know, has a lot of comparisons to like a Phil Jackson, I'm pretty sure he, uh, and I know he's familiar with it, and at least at some points in his career, he's introduced it into his locker room. But it wasn't something that was like spoken spoken of by a lot of people. It wasn't like I had like today. I know more than a few people who have a regular meditation practices. It's like you can have a normal conversation with them. It's not a weird thing. Um, it was still kind of stigmatized, probably a bad word, but just still one of those things that was like for different types of people, not for the athlete. It was just supposed to be on and going and pedal to the metal at all times and. A lot of even players would be like, oh, you just got to get angry. Like, you just need to be angry. You're going to play better. And and that really wasn't my space. You know, that wasn't how I, that I didn't excel in that lane. Um, so, so, and, and I guess the the things that I noticed was like maybe on the pregame, I could just close my eyes and go just follow my breath for, for, for some reps before the game started just to level myself. Um, and then I could even find that mindfulness in moments when I could just catch myself getting you know the stress rising for example and be like oh there it is let me sit with this for a second and and get back to that that level set but i really didn't know anybody at the time i think that was playing um that was openly sharing like how they what their mindfulness practice was yeah that's really cool and good for you for kind of being the only like being the only one that was doing it man that's that's really true um it's up to my own doing it it just i wasn't i just wasn't super i don't want to i don't want to take credit because they're very well could have been but I, um, yeah, it, it was just uh, nobody was really talking about it if they were. Yeah, and I think I agree. I think nowadays it's becoming more and more normal. And I'd like to, you know, I'd like to hope that in 20 years' time it's becoming even more and more accepted, right? Because there's so much, as well as the like benefits, there's so much science back research about like the benefits of meditation, um, in terms 100%. of just in terms of everything. Um, you talked about breath work there. What, what kind of breath work? This is something that I'm kind of studying at the moment. What kind of breath work do you? do and how does that work yeah so i would say like my entry point into the breathwork or down the breathwork rabbit hole was through wim hof um mm-hmm. he's probably kind of a a lot of people's entry point into it um there's a, just a ton of amazing books i i actually recommend whenever i anybody listen to the book breath by james nesser i recommend that, that that people read that or listen like i not everybody's in audiobooks, and I get that, but I think if you're going to pick one, pick that one, because then when they go through some of the breath work, they, they actually, you can hear the breathing cadence. Um, the next level up from that would be What Doesn't Kill Us by Scott Carney, I think, um, where he really goes into Wim Hof's more specifically, but I think James Nestor should be, it should be must read for everybody, because after I listened listen to that book, I was I, I was just convinced that, that a lot of, um, a lot of, not all, but a lot of just the the, the the baseline level depression or anxiety that people go through um I, i'm convinced that it, it, it is correlated with with improper breathing mechanics so so for me what it looks like now is uh, a pretty regular wim hof um 
breathing session, maybe about two to three reps of it, which gets me to about 10-ish minutes, maybe a little more if my holds are long. Then, then what I've added now is then I'll just I'll sit up and then I'll, I'll kind of um, finish it out with five minutes of just just sit, sitting and, and and monitoring up like following my breath. Um, that that's kind of the the baseline for me on the breathwork front. During COVID, I got a a XTT breathing certification. So like, I really like what Laird Hamilton and Gabby Reese do on the breathwork front because um, they go to a whole nother level. It's, they they have like a you know, a breathing mechanics you can go through for like a pre-game or, or pre-workout, then then you just you you understand the breathing mechanics when you're working out. Um I, I felt like when I introduced breathwork into my routine, I just my endurance level is up. Or at the very least, when I hit my limit, I can I can get back to uh a working level very quickly, just like by getting my breath under control. Um and then they also have like a cool down or like pre-sleep uh, tactics. But the other thing that I got from that was just box breathing where like maybe if I'm in work or even, even if I'm like, maybe you have a stressful situation at home, I'm just arguing with my 13 year old and anybody who has a 13 year old knows what that's like. <laughs> but I may, I may then take it to like a few sets of, uh, of, of box breathing just to, again, get the heart rate down, get, get back to level. Um, but, but yeah, there's just so much good, good books you know I, I think everyone should read breath by james Nestor. it's just phenomenal um and then i think if you really want to get in down the 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 wim hof rabbit hole um what doesn't kill us by scott carney was good but if you if breath work really like speaks to you and you think that you want to go deeper the oxygen advantage and one that i just listened to recently was uh breathing or breath work for warriors that one was phenomenal it was very specific to like hear is how you understand what your base, where you're at right now. And like a scale of one to 10 for your breathing, they can, you can like diagnose yourself with this assessment that they put you through. Then it gets really specific about breath work for this. Like if you're going to, uh, if you're a cyclist and you, and you're cycling, like so optimal, uh, breathing cadence, how to go about it. Like if you're a heavy lifter, things you can go through. So, um, the mindfulness having had, if I had found that earlier in my career, I, I no doubt would have been a game changer. And I think the breath work is like a whole nother level. Like I, I, I t- took my foot off the gas, but I really wanted to even reach out to some of my contacts in the basketball community, the Philippines to say, Hey, like if we can get, if, if teams can focus on this, I think it will be a huge edge, uh, to, in, in, in the game, because I just think that from a recovery standpoint, from a stress management standpoint, and then from an ultimate performance, you know, by, by elevating your VO2 max and, um, your CO2 tolerance and things like that. I think it could really help athletes get to the next level. Like I, I find myself now watching major sporting events and then just catching like, oh, that guy is mouth breathing. And and if if they, if he could get back to nasal breathing in this moment, he would he would notice it. He would notice the impact. I think it was like in the in the NBA finals recently, Jokic. He was just caught like when it, when he was gassed, you could tell he was gassed. And his breathing mechanics were horrible. So I was like, oh man, someone needs to help this guy get that part dialed because there's just a whole nother level he can get to um, because his breathing is it was bad. That's so powerful. Yeah, these are kind of all the conversations that I love to have and, and a lot of the books and resources are, are really, really useful, man. I appreciate that. And yeah, I think even if you think, if you look at someone that's maybe stressed or maybe like in like a slightly fight or flight response, like immediately what happens is they open their mouth, they start to breathe with their shoulders, their chest rises, 
And then if you think about the opposite, like think about like a yogi or someone who's kind of sat on a hill, like meditating, like their breath is slow, it's through the nose, like the diaphragm is, is contracting and relaxing. And it's, it's just, it just has a huge impact on everything, like physiology, psychology, performance. So yeah, I appreciate you, you sharing that. And that's something that definitely you should uh, talk to the PBA players about because I think it will make a huge impact on, on their performance, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm a firm believer. I think that um, that and hot cold therapy are two things that I think can really help people get to the next level. The, the breath work in particular, too, because you know, you, you even if in basketball specifically, in, in dire moments, up and down games, you're going to have to get to the mouth breathing. You're just for the output, like it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But there's a right way and a wrong way, and and more importantly, like if you're doing things the right way, at the first stoppage. If you can get back to baseline faster than the other guy or, or, or a girl, if you, you you have an immediate advantage. Like, you know, like uh, like if you if you know fighting, I'm not a huge fighting fan, MMA or, or boxing, but the second the opponent is like mouth breathing and, and starts in fatiguing, the first one to get to that point, they're in trouble. And and, and it's just like, hey, maybe you have two players that, that are, are equally matched, but the one can just go harder for longer then who would you pick, you know? Excellent. And do you, you mentioned there, but you mentioned hot and cold therapy. Like, have you got into, I know it's a bit of a craze right now, but ice baths and, and saunas, have you kind of dived down that rabbit hole yet? Oh, you know, it's funny because like, I think that have having access to hot, cold plunge when I was still playing helped, helped maintain um, my, my maintain my, helped me maintain in the end of my career. Um, it's funny because like I still believe in it and and it my mind tells me that if I um if I have my my my, my I have not read it I just seem to go get an ice bath and be better but and I, and I apologize for bringing up so many different book references but I just finished uh Built to Move by Kelly and Juliet Starrett and the new science and I know Laird Hamilton has spoken to this uh before but I, but the new science is against icing immediately after an injury uh, however, like for recovery, you know, multiple hours or like in the, later in the day after a practice or whatever, it's still the the gold standard, I think. But yeah, I was I was doing ice baths when I was still playing. Granted, I didn't fully submerge, and but we're in the process of moving, and a big reason why we're moving is because we're going to get a place with a bigger garage to 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 build out a better home gym. Um, but in the back where we want to put a pool, we're also putting in a space for a sauna and a in a proper cold plunge because. Um, yeah, I am. I'm all in. I'm. I'm. I'd all, all in on the benefits, and I think that uh, you know, my 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 wife is not super thrilled about the prospect of hopping in the cold plunge, but I think I've got her at least believing that it's a it's a there's a benefit. So, um, luck. I I uh, Angie Tuberman had a guest who spoke to hot cold exposure recently, um, and it's the good thing is is like, hey, if you want to get the benefits, it's like 11 minutes a week or something. As long as you can get in the cold for you, you break up that 11 minutes over the week, you're good. So I think a lot of people could do two or three minutes here or there. Nice. I love it. Breathing, ice baths, meditation. What a yeah, what a cool hobby. So that's, that's amazing, man. Um, yeah. So I want to kind of go back into, I know you came back to the Philippines and I know you did some um, some work in the community with kind of surfboards and working in La Union. Could you kind of talk about yeah. what that experience was like? Yeah, yeah. I think any any like high-level athlete that that. It, and and I think Apollo Ono really speaks about this really well. I've been uh, following his his work recently. 
but when you when your career ends it's like uh there's a part of you that you have to accept the death of kind of thing uh and a former athlete that i met um uh, he explained it like this he's like we all have buckets that we need filled and if you're a high level athlete like you have this competition bucket you have this fitness nutrition bucket and then you have like uh uh like a, a pro- maybe an achievement like a professional achievement bucket and and quite frankly um it was i was a little lost but one of the ways i filled at least the the competition bucket or like that skill building bucket was uh with surfing so at the end of my career i took my son for a surf lesson and i just did one myself and i was like oh this was fun and at a certain point like at the last season it kind of became a mini addiction to where it was like i was any day off i was going to try to go to la union and surf and learn to surf so um in my post basketball life i i really don't play basketball anymore but i surf every chance i get so um both a little bit before covid i had this just moment of gratitude after surfing about just how thankful i was for this thing that i now do and it's so fun and thankful and appreciative of the people of la union who really helped me with get that love of, of the sport. So I did a project back then where I, I, a lot, I had people here who had available surfboards or equipment, donate them. I raised money on the side because it was cheaper for me to fly to the Philippines with the boards in tow than to ship them. And so I did that and it was just an amazing experience for the kids and for myself. And I was like, I'm going to do this. I want to do this every year. Then COVID happened. And so um, I was like, it just kind of fell by the wayside. And, and, and then even when COVID started to uh, be, be less of a thing here in America, the Philippines were still battling and they still had all these restrictions. Um, but then they opened it up. And so my, and my, my, my employer actually gives us a week to do like philanthropic work. So I immediately was like, oh, I know what I'm going to do. And it's been about like maybe 10 months raising the money again and, and collecting the boards. And we brought about 16 boards out to La Union to give to kids. And, um, you know, it was a group effort. I didn't do it alone, but I was able to not only give back to the place that gave me this thing that I love so much, but also just able to get back in the Philippines. Um, and I hadn't been back there to see friends and family since before COVID. So uh, I, I'd be lying if I didn't say that it wasn't a, a selfish, selfish act because though I gave a bunch of stuff to, to people, to other people, like I really, I, I, I'm convinced that I got more out of it than they did. Oh, that's amazing. And so is that something you want to continue every year? Is that you you want to do that every year moving forward? So I think I think every year might be tough. Um I think that the people here may kind of the attention span for it may drop if I do it every year. The only way to really do it would be to set up like set up like a non profit organization so that I could more effectively raise the money um and then also probably expand my scope so like it might make it easier for me to to get boards from other locations other than the small town i'm in now as well as like also maybe what i really would love to do is is bring surf stuff but really i would love to find ways to help these kids uh, with their education um it's just come to my attention through this process that a lot of these kids like kind of as soon as they can make money instructing um people you know doing surf lessons and stuff like they stop going to school uh or some of them like you know if the waves are good they skip school to go surf and then they kind of have issues in that front so 
if I can help support their education so that they can surf more somehow, I've got some ideas, but like a big picture, that's something I'd love to do. Um, but I just have a lot of friends who have done nonprofit work and there's a lot that goes into it if you want it to be done right. And uh, I hopefully I can have the bandwidth to really get something put together here, maybe in a couple of years. But um, I, I definitely am not done. I just, I need to get back to the drawing board and figure out how to make it more consistent and something that I can do um, and do and do well, right? I think there's just, as much as I love surfing and helping out the kids with surfboards, I think it's a, it really is more, needs to be more of a vehicle to help them with things that matter a little bit more in life than surfing. Yeah, that's so powerful. Yeah, and that's something that I would definitely, obviously I live in the Philippines as well, so that's something I'd love to kind of learn more about as you grow that project because that sounds incredible. So yeah, awesome, man. Um, So another thing that I often ask all my guests is this idea of kind of a sense of purpose or a why. Um, Do you have a why as to your basketball career and do you think this has changed over time? Oh man, it's a... That's a powerful question. I, I think if I'm being honest with myself, um, my original why for playing basketball was to like make my dad, make my family proud. Um, my uncle, like I said earlier, played in the league. And I saw how much like the family kind of revered him, honored him for that. So I think a lot of my original driving force for that was um, other people. And although I would not, change my experience i mean obviously i'd tell myself some things differently if i could but like i wouldn't trade it for for anything that wasn't super significant i um i i really wished that that my why hadn't been so uh motivated by like me wanting to do for other make other people happy so to speak um i think ultimately a lot of that is why when when i when i realized i was dealt with basketball I really had needed some time away from the game um, because I, I just, I, I don't know. Like, like I said, I had so many amazing experiences, but um, I, I think this also may have been kind of the conflicting mindset, that fear I talked about earlier, where it was like fear of failing that, that motivated me to work as hard as I did, but also like was the ceiling that I couldn't get past because I didn't want to fail these other people. Right. Um, so if my why had been more for me, I think I might have found that pat that 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 uh comfort level that I did later in my career. Um and, and who knows, maybe I would have it would have been easier for me to transition right into coaching because that was always my dream or passion, right? It was play basketball until I can't play anymore and then co- go on and coach and coach at the highest level I could coach at. But by the time I was done playing, I was like I needed a break from the game. Um, so my original why was misplaced if we're, if we're being honest now, um, like why my, why now is really about just, um, maximizing my, my potential, uh, you know, in the workforce, in the workplace, it's a professional thing. It's like, I'm feeling fulfilled because I know I have the ability to do X, Y, Z. And if I put forth like the right effort and the right and focus on learning the right things, I can achieve this thing, right? So it's like really for me. It's like, and and the beautiful thing about the professional world is like when you focus on it, like sports, and you work hard, like you can you can make more money, more money as well, impact more people. So it has that benefit. But it's really like I think the reason why I've been able to work so hard professionally is because I'm now doing it for me. Like why 
how I can now do things that other people don't think fun and actually find legitimate enjoyment in this because like I know this is a pathway for me to achieve something that I want to achieve for me. Um, and then like other people will benefit from that, which is, which is great. And, and the other thing is like just my family, right? Like, um, I have an incredible partner. Uh, we've been married almost 20 years now and, um, I, I could not have had the basketball journey that I did without her. She was always my like number one cheerleader, always the, 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 the type of person who would support me through thick and thin, but also tell me straight. Like if I played bad, like I didn't have to, I mean, she knows the game. All these trophies are her, man. I have like these two up here. These are my wife's trophies. She's a, she's a baller. So like, you know, I didn't have to, if I, if I played terrible and I have a dinner with my wife, there was like, no, oh, honey, you played great. Like, despite the fact that I didn't, she could tell me and I could accept, I could always accept that feedback from her because I knew that she cared when she was delivering it. Right. So, um, so, so really the, the 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 thing that drives me professionally now is that internal like I know I can do this I was built for this I I'm I'm going to work hard because I need to maximize this ability or this 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 that I that I have or this opportunity I've been given um, and then ultimately you know I I I just feel so much gratitude for like kids that I have the partner that I have that I just want to be better for them as well. Man, I feel like you've kind of nailed that balance between like having like internal reasons for your own growth, but also growth for the, like the people around you, right? Like your why is kind of split between doing it for others, but then also you've reflected and now you're doing things more for yourself as well, which is which is really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so another question I ask all my guests, and I'd be very interested to hear your version of this: What would be your definition of an optimal mindset? Yeah, I think. Um... I think an optimal mindset would be understanding the factors that you can control um, in, in any given situation, right? Like, I haven't been gone from Manila long enough to forget the traffic, right? So, like, being able to just go, I cannot control the fact that I am on C five and I'm not moving, and I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to sit with this feeling, and it's going to be okay. Um, and quite frankly, like in my mindfulness journey, I actually looked at that was like even something like the traffic. It just meant I could listen to more books, you know. So it became a or 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 when I was fortunate enough to have a driver that I could take a nap. So like it really, I'm not gonna. I mean, let's like be real. I didn't always. I wasn't always happy that I was in traffic, but I just like well, if I'm gonna be here, I might as well do something. Um. So like the baseline is, is understanding and controlling what you can control. And the other thing that I haven't mentioned yet that has impacted me in, in addition to the mindfulness is stoicism, right? It's been a major, major influence on my life um, uh, from later in my career to now, stoicism. But so like starting with what knowing what I can control in a given situation and and optimizing those factors, right? So like in my software sales world now, it's like I can control these factors. And if I want to be successful here, I have to do these things on the way to get there. And um, if I'm focusing on those things, then I'll be less worried about like how boring or how stressful the, the steps on the way are. Because it's like, hey, I can, these are the steps and these are what I can control. This is what I'm going to do. And I'll also be removed from the outcome. Because when I found my when I first started in this in, in, in the sales space, it was I was like right back into sports which was kind of a good thing in a way, but then I ended up at the same place where like, I'm, I'm, I'm so desperate for this to like get this meeting that I'm just 
sounding horrible. And, and I've been, when I don't get it, I feel horrible. And I'm forgetting these little things that I should be doing because I'm so focused on the outcome. But then when I just removed myself from that, uh, not only was, was I more successful, but it was just 10 times less stressful. I could clock out and just like leave work in the office. Uh, which, it, which for people who work from home, it's, it's really hard to do. But I just, once I got to that place when it, I could leave my desk knowing I controlled everything I controlled for that day, I was just 10 times better uh, with everything else around the house. So knowing what you can control and then optimizing each factor that you can control, be it your health, your, your physical strength or, or endurance, or just the skill sets you need to be successful in your job, um, you can control this, the, 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 the work towards improving your skills, but you can't always control the outcome. You could do everything right. Your boss could just pick somebody else or you could do everything right. And the customer could go with the other competitor. And, and, but if you know that you did everything right, as cliche as it sounds, like you can kind of just like dust, dust yourself off and, and go on to the next thing and not carry the weight of every outcome, good or bad. Uh, when you really don't have control over the outcome itself, you just have control over doing the right steps along the way. That's so powerful because, yeah, I think often when you sometimes, and I say this sometimes, that you pick up like a motivational video or you or you read a book and it's like you have to win at all costs or you have to like, you know, like you have to get the outcome or you have to like winning is like everything and, and you're kind of saying the opposite. Yeah, so it's I not- mean, like, yeah, because the reality is, is if you're focused on what you have the goal, like I really do think the goal is okay. I struggle with that mm-hmm. in my mindfulness really early. I'm like, am I supposed to not have goals now? But no, I think the goal is okay, but but the focus is the journey, right? The steps, like you can control that. You can control each step that you take on that path. And and early, like I said, early in my career was just all the goal, the goal, the goal, the goal. And then you blink and like, oh man, this whole beautiful career I had is over. Like I did it. I, I achieved the goal, but shit, there's, I missed this whole journey. Like, and so I'm trying to like be better at that. And it's, it's a practice. I, I'm not going to pretend to be perfect at it, but um but yeah, you focus on what you control. You and if you if you are honest with yourself about that, and you really do the make put in the effort, you're just more likely to succeed. But the but the real benefit is you're just more likely to not be miserable, um, because either either if you're only focused on the goal, like you might you you might miss the steps along the way that you need to be taking, or you may fall short and you'll be like just destroyed because you identified with that goal and not the journey. So, um, you, you, like it's still a lesson that I'm having to relearn, but it's just easier to speak to because I'm not like in the moment of failure right now, but, but I really do believe that, um, if you focus on what you control, it's just going to be a, a much better experience. You're just setting yourself up for success. Oh man, I love it. That's so cool. Um, last couple of questions. Do you, and I know you kind of mentioned these already throughout this interview, but do you have any books Maybe a couple of books you could recommend if people wanted to learn more about mindfulness or mindset or even stoicism or breathing. Like, what would be your couple of top books that you'd recommend? Yeah, let me try to keep the list short because I <laughs> I, I have a habit of getting through a lot of them. I will say too, there's a lot of good podcasts out there, so maybe let's just go through like a handful of each. Um, I think if you wanted, to, if you really just wanted to learn about stoicism, what is it? There. You, I would start with The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. I, I would recommend any one of his books that he's he's put out. Um, that or The Daily Stoic, which is just a very short daily read. It's a, a, a quote from from one of the, you know, the, the, the forefathers of stoicism, if you will, and then kind of a breakdown. 
it's like it's like a devotional for stoicism uh, i'd highly recommend that uh and and so like that's on the stoicism front i think those books are really really powerful and, and they're easy to read easy to, to digest you can check out um ryan holiday on tim ferris if you, if you don't if you're not a book person but he kind of unpacks that all there then then i'd say on the mindfulness front i i think you know, it, for some people who it's not necessarily a spiritual thing, it's really just about like the, the stress management and and um, things like that. They might want to just get the Headspace app and just get started. Um, but if you really want to go down like the rabbit hole, the science, the methodology behind it, I just think Sam Harris does the best job in waking up. But um He's not for everybody. I'll be upfront about that. He's just not, he's not his personality. Um, so, so I think the power of now is a really good one. And actually, you know, I'll tell, I'll tell you this. If, if, if you are, if anybody is just kind of curious about, about meditation and they just like, but they're like, I'm not a meditator. I'm not spiritual. 10% happier by Dan Harris. That's the book. It's just like, this is, um, it's, 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 uh, I think it's like the meditation guide for fidgety skeptics. It's like the subtitle. But this was like a, a meditation skeptic that 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 found his way and write, wrote the book. It's just incredible. And then on the breathwork one, I, I think that everybody should read Bre- the book Breath by James Nestor. Um, and then if you go down that rabbit hole, then you look into things like uh, oh, what's what's the other one? The Breathing for Warriors, um, and and even Built to Move. In addition to a lot of the just ways to live better in your health and fitness. They they cover the breath pretty pretty well as, as well, um, but yeah. So I'm, I, like I said, man, I I kind of get into these rabbit holes and uh, hated books as a kid, and I feel like I'm making up for for time now. That that's amazing. I feel like we could have gone. That list could have been very long. But yeah, I appreciate that, and I feel like the audience are definitely going to pick some of these out and and read them. So thanks, man. Um, so for someone looking to maybe develop a more optimal mindset, which is kind of the the goal of this podcast. Could you give us maybe three practical things that they could do? Like, what would they practically go out there today and be like, all right, listen to this podcast with Robbie. What am I going to do? Yeah. Okay. Um, I would say, I, I think that, that finding that mindset of controlling what you control is key. I think stoicism does a really good job of framing that. It's just blows my mind to think that these like people in, in Rome, we're saying like an emperor, well, Marcus Aurelius, the emperor of Rome is talking about like, yeah, I, I don't, I just want to lay here in bed, but I know that I was built to do more. So I'm going to get up and work and go to work. Um, and so like, I really think that like, if you wanted a tool that like really stoicism, if you just Google a stoicism quote, start your day. I think it's really important to have the right start to your day. And everybody is an early morning person, but I think, you know, we, we all can do a better job of getting up not spending the first 50 minutes of our waking hours on the phone um, and getting up either moving or getting settled into your, your, your headspace. Maybe you want to journal or maybe you want to just knock out that five minutes of meditation before everybody else gets up, but to understand, get up and get your, get into the optimal mindset. First thing, uh, whatever that is for you is really going to set you up for success. So like maybe if it's during a work day, you're just going to get up, you're going to just find that that inner peace, have to take a, a few box breaths or just slow guided breathing. Um, and then maybe you're going to map out your day and you're going to be like, I need to get X, Y, Z done, write a list. 
and just focus on the things that you can control that day to get through it. And um, I think you'll feel feel better every time you cross one of those things off your list. And you would have started in that place of focus, right? You've started in that that mindset of like, I am going to go out today and do these things that I control and I'm going to live with, with, with what happens. I think if you start your day there, it's just going to set you up for success down the road. Cause like you're, you're going to have curveballs. If you're a parent, like your kid's going to get sick one day and it's going to throw everything off. Um, but that wasn't something you control, right? So you started the day in that mindset. Uh, you're just setting yourself up to, to handle all the, the challenges that could come your way. That's so, that's so powerful. Thank you. Um, so if people wanted to find out more about you and they definitely should after hearing how knowledgeable and kind of how wise you are about all this all this kind of personal growth and and mindset and and everything where would they find you where are the best place to look you up yeah i'm the most active on linkedin right now um in the kind of professional world that i'm in it's a really important place for me to be and be present uh i actually i'm like on an instagram facebook twitter like hiatus it because i kind of felt found myself being addicted to it quite frankly so um i couldn't just go in and check a few dms uh or 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 check on some people in my feed it became if i opened my instagram it was it was could very well potentially be a 20 minute thing where i was like what did i just do for 20 minutes so um i've been i've been doing some uh fasting uh 20 like so each each month i'll do a 24-hour fast i'm trying to build up to do like a long one before the end of the year four day but um I, I was like, you know what? I'm going to also fast from from Instagram for a month. And now I think we're going on to two months now. So I, I, I will like, like I, I have friends in Maui. So I went into I went into Maui to like check on some friends and things like that. I'll go in, but I just haven't gotten to a place where I can download the app again yet. So if you, hey, you reach out to me on LinkedIn, I got you. You reach out to me on Instagram. I'm available there. I think I leave my, my, my profile public. Um, I will be back on. I will engage with people again but I'm on a break there, but I do, I am, I'm very active on LinkedIn. Awesome. Oh uh, yeah. We can link to all these in the, in the show notes as well for people that want to kind of follow you and check you out. But I just really wanted to say thank you for giving up your time and yeah, I just love the kind of depth and the detail and all the book recommendations you've given us. You've been such a inspiring and such an incredible guest. So thanks man. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, my pleasure. I love the concept of your podcast. I'm, it's really honored to be on. Like I said, a lot of these things I'm saying now, like I've known for years, I'm still learning. I wish I would have known him sooner. Uh, but, but you know, one of the things that Stoicism has taught me is like really like my mind, like how I interpret the situation that I'm in is the only thing I really can control. So um, I think if, the more I focus on that, just the happier I find myself, the, 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 the better I am at dealing with challenge and, and adversity. Um, so I, I really encourage people just to kind of find, it doesn't have to be Stoicism, but like just find that path to being able to control what you can control and like remove yourself from the outcomes because uh i just i'm convinced you'll be happier for it uh, i love it yeah thank you so much and yeah we'll have to do maybe a round two of this episode as well when uh in a few months yeah. or something that'll be time yeah. cool anytime awesome. yeah anytime yeah my pleasure all right this has been the optimal mindset we do appreciate you checking in and we hope to see you again real soon take care everyone Thank you so much for tuning into the Optimal Mindset podcast today. We are available on SoundCloud and on Spotify. I've included all my information in the show notes for those who wish to find out more about our, our guests and upcoming episodes. Remember, train your mind, optimize your life.